Oh my goodness, everyone. It's the Dr. Denise show, the Embrace Your Neurostyle and Beyond series. And I'm honored to have Lillian Walker with me tonight. She's a stem cell activation specialist, poly-certified clinical neurosomatic holistic practitioner ranked globally in the top 100 in 2022. Lillian, welcome. (laughs) Thank you, Denise. It's so awesome to see you again. Oh my goodness. So this Embrace Your Neurostyle and Beyond series and having you on it, I am equally as excited. And I feel like I want to just almost like jump after I just read your title, I thought you are so much a part of the, and beyond, beyond, beyond part of the embrace your neurostyle and beyond. So can we jump right into a discussion on awareness and intuition? Absolutely. And what that means to you. Yes. So what awareness and intuition means to, to me. So I, this is a, one of my favorite things in the world to talk about is awareness and intuition, because as you are already aware that you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And awareness is, is key to everything. Once you choose to become aware, and it really is as simple as that, you choose to become aware, you choose to expand your awareness beyond what's in the very obvious in front of you. And as you realize and recognize those things that maybe in the past you hadn't noticed, everything from um, the sound of things, for example, or number synchronicities, or it could be the way people language things. Or for example, I was, uh, it was very interesting. I was uh, actually on a Zoom call with Dr. Stacy and she's the head of our our big medical team and I noticed that as I came to a stoplight because I was driving as I was taking that zoom call and on my dashboard it was 5 55 p.m and my mileage was 5 55,555.5 and I was like oh my gosh I got to take a picture of it but I'm on a zoom call so I couldn't really do both but I'm like I knew it was you know it was um it was like a synchronization where i knew that it's like i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be at the right time at the right place with the right people i've been anticipating you know doing this this show with you for this past week and so looking forward to it so it's like how much better can it get i kept on getting signs symbols synchronicities throughout the day um i went out this morning when i uh, first got up and went across the street to the beach and put my bikini on and got grounded my hands and feet and took my kite just because it's fun and it's playful right and got fresh air and this uh, wonderful vitamin d from the sun and you know grounding and minerals from the beach water and all that and I'm like how blessed am I that that I'm able to live the life that I'm living right now and there are times in my life that I didn't pay attention to some of those synchronicities and those signs and those symbols because I I chose to dismiss it, but as I acknowledged it more, then more of it came in and it would, those were just calibrations, calibrations that were showing me that I was going in the right direction. And so that's part of your awareness, but your intuition goes hand in hand with your awareness. And I really think that intuition is your tuning and tapping in and turning on to your inner voice so that you're aligned with your higher self. And one of my mantras that came to me in meditation back in June of 2019 was, I'm one with the one, I am the one. And I was actually in Mexico at a Dr. Joe week-long event when I heard that in my, it's not a voice like, you know, 3D voices, but I heard I'm one with the one, I am the one. And I thought, ooh, I really like that. And so since then I've adopted that as a daily mantra that I'm one with the one, I am the one because there's no separation, right? And as I've I mean, that more, <laughs> I'm having a shut the front door moment because <laughs> I, I, right before I was deciding, OMG, I'm so excited to have you. My process as I was outside in nature, Same. so excited to just spend this time with you. 
And 10 minutes before, I usually have got the little candle lit and I let things drop into my awareness. And I thought, I've got to talk to her about I am awarenesses. There you go. So I just want to, that's what I call the kiss on the cheek from the universe. We have song lyrics that my um, Beverly and Emily and I are working on that have the I am awarenesses. And there's also a children's ascension experience with awareness. And I thought there's so much, so many dimensions to who you are and to who I am and to all the listeners are. I think one of the most biggest gifts we can give ourselves is so much of what you've just encapsulated. You talked about gratitude. You talked about paying attention to things around you. You talked about nature, vitamin D. I mean, we're talking about really embracing health and wellness and I have such a gratitude that you reached out to me a few weeks back. You had a vision in your own meditation. You reached out to me. And I just want to say that this interview to me is an example of paying attention to intuition. Would you like to share a little bit more about that with everyone? Yes. So, okay. So for our listeners, they don't know, but in our viewers, um, a few years back, I actually had the great honor and pleasure that our f- mutual friend, Dia, who's a, a PR expert, she put us into union together because I was writing this book called The Friendship Oracle, which was divinely inspired, and I was paying attention to my intuition. Uh, and so I ended up interviewing you for that book, which is still being written, which I had no idea it was going to be such, it's turned out, like I told you when we reconnected, it's turned out to be a big book. So fast forward to just a couple weeks ago, uh, your name literally like came into my awareness where it was like I could see you and I'm like, oh, it's like Dr. Denise, I need to give her a call. And it was that intuitive hit. And I thought I need to call her like today. And so I didn't wait till later. It was one of those things that I know to honor my intuition when I get that intuitive hit. I get either I see the picture of the person or if I see their name or hear their name or I have a knowingness about them, I know that I'm supposed to act upon that. I'm not supposed to postpone it. And so I may have a very fulfilled day where I have like back-to-back Zooms with patients, but I will, if I need to, I'll put it in between the cracks, between the calls, and I will get it done. And magical things happen when you follow because I didn't know what was going on with you. You didn't know what was going on with me, but I knew that we were supposed to talk. And then, whoa, everything, even though I didn't know all the details, but once we spoke, it was such a magical conversation that I'm like, I wish we would have recorded it because it was just beyond words. Yes. And so I have to tell you, I said, I've got to get you on the show because I wanted to catch up and have the gift of letting people know a window into your growth, your sensory perception, and the embrace your neuro style and beyond is defined as we all process and perceive information in our own unique way. And I talk about the fabulous five, biological, psychological, social, cultural, spiritual, coupled with six sense intuition. So you have your neuro style, I have mine, but then we fill it in and it's not just a linear, it's an in motion, evolving ascension process that integrates linear, nonlinear, Newtonian, quantum physics. And in the four years since you and I have connected, I feel like we've both done our little PhD, which most of us have after the pandemic, but in a deeper reverence yes. for true healing and a quantum ascension. So I thought this might be a great time for people to give a window into who are you right now? Like your, I am awareness of how you help others on their own journey of embracing their neuro style. So, wow, that's kind of a loaded question, but really, um, you know, I'm a light being like you are. And just like all of us on this planet, we are light beings. We are made of this incredible collection of electrons and electrolytes. And uh, we have quite a bit of energy that is inside us, not contained just inside of us, because we know that we glow infrared light, which is light. And so I really um, am all about using my focused 
consciousness and awareness to facilitate, educate, encourage, and empower people so that they can make a good informed choice for whatever their health concerns, whatever their health goals, their health targets, health dreams are. And so we do that from, you know, for people who are anywhere from suffering either physical and emotional trauma, chronic inflammatory conditions, or someone who wants to do peak performance, or someone who wants to just simply live their best life ever and just they're already happy and healthy, but they want to reverse aging and be as young and as fit as possible until they get to the very end of whatever their timeline is. And so I'm at the, at the heart of it all. I'm really an educator that I teach by example. It's like I, I teach and preach and do what it is that I teach and I preach. And so that's really, you know, I'm, I'm someone who is a lover of people and uh, I really just am so excited that I get to be Santa Claus every day and share this life-saving technology and and just show up as who I am unapologetically. I really focus on the people who resonate with my message. If I resonate with you, fantastic, let's talk, you know, and if I don't resonate with you, it's like I don't take any personal offense to that, you know, so if you don't resonate with me, you've got so many other options, but I'm really looking for those people like yourself that we not just resonate with each other, we really create this beautiful harmony. And as soon as you said, I'll never forget when we talked a couple of weeks ago and you mentioned about the fabulous five, I said, and remember how I showed you a text message and on my computer, how I talk about the fantastic five. I'm like, <laughs> how about the fantastic five? Yeah, she's a sister from another mister for sure. It's like parallel <laughs> lives, you know, here. But my fantastic five, those are the five foundational patches that take care of the primary systems of, of the body. Because we have a dozen stem cell activation patches that, that do all sorts of different things. But I isolated the five that take care of the primary systems of the body so that whether you're in optimal, if you're already in great shape or you're already healthy, or you're someone who's, you know, you could be reaching out to me from ICU. You might be in the emergency room either because you had, um, you know, either you've had some sort of physical trauma, you had a surfing accident or a car accident, or you have some sort of other presentation of conditions that you're maybe, you know, baffled, which is causing you great pain. So now you're in the ER. Uh, it doesn't matter. Foundational patches are the foundational patches. It's like a house, whether you're building a condo or a castle, it all starts with the foundation and your house has a foundation. So that's what the Fantastic Five are. So... You have this amazing bio that everyone's going to get to read. I'm wondering if we could kind of, if we were, this is like a game show now and we're spinning the spinner and we're like, dun, 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 next topic. Maybe we just land on some of the believe it or not moments that even have blown you away in such a humbled way of service where people have called upon you with something that just looked like there was no hope. And I feel like with all the skills you have, all your integration, can you walk us through a couple of your humbled aha moments of helping others? Sure, sure. So I don't know where you want to start if there's something that caught Well, there's mind. a couple of things in the bio about helping people, some real specific oh. clinical examples. And I feel like when you're listening and someone's just getting to know you or me, you and I know we're happy, we're smiling. But when someone's like, well, who's Lillian? Who's Dr. Denise? And if I'm going to work with them or if I'm going to understand their process of looking at things multidimensionally from a neurostyle perspective, from an anti-inflammation perspective, from an epigenetics, from a thrive, from a wellness, I just think it'd be neat if we could do a couple of your um, examples or maybe even then throw something my way where we can just let people know what does this really even look like? Okay, so perhaps uh, one of, um, so there's, for example, I did have a gal named Pam who a few years back, uh, she, one of her pain points was that she had, over 20 years ago, she had been shot in the head by her then husband because he tried to kill her, an abusive man, no doubt. And so she ended up going into a coma. She was in a coma for three months. And then when she came out of the coma, she had no memory. So post that, now 20 years go by, and during the, that 20 year period, she really longed to recapture her memory of her childhood. Uh, you know, she had four sisters and she wanted to remember what it was like growing up with her sisters, because she really only remembered 
after she woke up from that coma. And so in search for regaining her her memory, she had become a hypnotherapist, she had done you know, regression therapy, all sorts of different things in hopes of restoring her memory and also trying all sorts of different practitioners that could potentially help her with that. And so then she came to me with this and I was in a particular class at the time when I it was like not related to what I was listening in class, but I literally all of a sudden it was like this left side. It just was like this download where it was shown to me what I wasn't even thinking about her. her. So in that moment, it was downloaded as to what I needed to do to capture her memory. And it was, I love the fact that you use the word an integration because it was an integration of multiple modalities that I've used um, over the years, but it was like an all in one that I didn't think of. It was like I said, a download and it caught me by surprise. And so then I told her, I said, listen, Pam, I think I can get your memory back. I've never gotten anybody's memory back before then, but I got this download. And so I went ahead and did a procedure on her, multiple you know, methods on her. And then lo and behold, as soon as she opened her eyes, she has beautiful celestial blue eyes too. As soon as she opened her eyes, she was like, oh my God, I can remember sitting under a tree with my sister and my father at a park with green grass. And I'm like, you already have a, I had no idea, you know, that her memory was gonna come back that quickly. I, I figured from my left brain of what I know about neurosomatics, I would have thought maybe it'll take 25 hours before the first memory will pop up. That wasn't the case. It was as soon as she opened her eyes, she had her first memory. And so I said, wow, that was fast. And she was like, of course, you know, welled up with emotion. And I said, wow, this is fantastic. I didn't know that this was possible, but this is pretty exciting. So then I told her, well, I always do a seven day follow up with everyone. So in seven days, I'll follow up with you to see how you're doing. And we'll do it by Zoom. And sure enough, we got on the Zoom seven days later and she was just flying high as a kite. She's like, all week long talking to her sisters. Hey, do you remember being in the back of the truck with the dog, da, da, da. And her sisters are like, how do you remember that? You don't have any memories of your childhood. She goes, I do now. And so in that follow-up Zoom, I said, I go, normally I wouldn't ask this, but would it be okay if I shared this video with others? Because now it shows others who have lost their memory, whether it's short term or long, shows them the potential that it is possible. And so she graciously said, yes. And so I thought, wow, that's, you know, I can't really take credit for, you know, doing anything. I was just obedient. I had that download, I recognized it. And then I was willing to look foolish really by telling her, hey, I think I be, might be able to get your memory back. You just have to follow the instructions. And all I did was I only had part of the information, which I didn't know when it was first given. It wasn't until I was doing the process with her then that more and like the details came in as I was speaking to her. And so I was just following that intuitive lead. And as I heard, I just followed it. And then, and then the result was that she got her memory back. I would love it if we could have the link to that, that we could put in the show notes. And what I'm also getting and what's so near and dear to my heart with the embrace your neuro style and beyond. And I have my allopathic training and have the MD from the Western world, but it was so important to me with humility. I feel like one of the things I want to resonate back to you is when you're describing this and I'm hearing it for the first time, I saw it in the bio. I'm listening very carefully because you have humility and what I call your own. I am awarenesses. And we all have I am awarenesses. And when I say I am awareness, it's capital I A M. Yes. And that means that there's information coming in beyond the material world. So you have the credentials that are in your bio. And just like I do, and there can be a time when I'm working with a patient or a client, and I have that certain linear knowledge that you could write up in scientific journals, but then I'm connecting with someone energetically soul to soul. And then all of a sudden you get this, we all have this ability where we see a picture or we hear a voice or we get a sound. And then we couple that with our logic of whatever our training is. And then there's this humility of the miracle part of it. The I am awareness, whether you believe in um, any organized 
being versus just the concept of the highest vibration in the universe is love. It's this, I am awareness of humility that loves so much bigger. So then you're there with another human. If you're connecting with their energy field, energy to energy, we've got Lillian's universe. We've got the other soul's universe, or we have my universe and someone else's universe. We've got our data that comes in. And then we have all this stuff. It's like, imagine a bunch of cartoon bubbles above all of our heads. Mm-hmm. And we're getting like logic, misses this, misses this. It's like, ding, 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 ding. And so there's times where you just channel information that's logic meets intuition meets steps. And it'll be great when you put the link in, because that's one of the big passions I have with scientific method, embrace your neurostyle and beyond it's multidimensional. And I think the more we can have terms that give it the actual science of, we know that the quantum universe, we are living in a time with quantum physicists like Minos Kafatos, who's worked with Deepak Chopra. We've had Dr. Dan Siegel, who's an international adult and child psychiatrist, do lectures on the quantum universe. We are now living at a new pulse of consciousness. And even in the four years since you and I first met, I the way I understand the universe and Einstein and time and that time really is man-made, We have all of these ways of accessing data and information and energy that we now, if we go and look and you've got all the science behind it, maybe you could unpack some of the stem cell and everything you're doing because we're like little walking miracles. Like when I think about human beings, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's 8,100,000 walking miracles. And there's so much going on. I feel like almost more and more humbled every day I walk on the planet of what else I could possibly learn. What? Yeah. I, and I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. You hit the bullseye because it's true. It's like, we are walking miracles and you know, there's no question about it in my mind and in my heart and soul. I know that we, you and I have heart and brain coherence. And if we want to look at, I love to parallel, you know, I say that Dr. Joe Dispenza says that science is a contemporary language of mysticism. They're really one and the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of my great mentors is Dr. Jack Cruz, who happens to be a neurosurgeon and he does brain surgery. And he's always talking about E equals MC squared and he talks about photobiomodulation. And as a stem cell activation patch specialist, of course, we are using photobiomodulation in the form of a stem cell activation patch, which is like here, like this. And so if you look at the human eye, It's like you wonder why, it's like, why would your optic nerve in the back of the eye, why would it be upside down? It's like E equals MC squared. What does that, what does one thing have to do with the other? Well, if you pay any attention to what Dr. Jack Cruz says, and he's basically melding not just medical science, but he's also taking it with applied physics and taking a look at what E equals MC squared really means and what, what action are we having as light beings? When you slow down the speed of light, and make no mistakes, we are are made of infrared light. We have electrons and electrolytes that are inside of our body. They're not contained in our body, because if we were to put on night vision goggles, we could see the infrared light glowing, right? But because that nerve in the back of the eye is upside down, it slows down the speed of light so that your body can take in that ray of light and it can turn it into mass, which is vitamin D and bring that into your electromagneto transport mechanism, which is your blood, because your blood is now taking in that vitamin D and now sending it into your body wherever it needs to go. So now let's go more metaphysical. So if you go metaphysical, law of attraction, how do you create things? We all have heard and we all know, we've become aware of the fact that thoughts are things. We don't think that thoughts are things because we can't see them. We think a thought, but we know from neurobiophysiology that you can, if you have a positive thought, your chemistry, literally, like if I were to take blood out of you and let's say you're happy, there's, there's a research study that's about 30 years old now, maybe 35 years old. And this research study, they took um, lab rats and they took two groups of men. And one group of men, they were happy, joyous, they were euphoric, they were high-fiving, they are just like in a great, happy state. They withdrew blood from them and they put it into the rats. 
And then in comparison, they took this other group of men and they had these men not just angry, but they were like raging. They were, they were provoked to a very high rate of anger, fury, and they were like raging. And then they withdrew blood from those, from those men and then injected the rats. The rats that were injected with the angry blood, those rats were dead within six minutes. Now, you don't think that thoughts, negative thoughts and emotions affect your body in a detrimental way? Well, guess what? It was so toxic to those rats, it killed those rats. So what does this have to do with metaphysics? Well, when you're trying to create, you know, we can create our, our outer reality. We can set certain intentions. You know, I don't know what your circumstances are or any of our viewers are, but you know, we, we're humans. So we live in this plane of duality where there's contrast. We have day, we have night. If we only had daytime, daytime would not really exist because there would be no point of contrast. So we need the day to define the night and we need the night to define the day. Just like tall defines short and short defines tall. It's, you know, the contrast one supports the other and defines each other. So when we have good times and we have bad times, you know, the, the bad times is what makes the good times so much sweeter. And so we have things that are bad that happen to us. And it's, you know, those are not things that happen at us. They really do happen for us, to grow us, to push us to places that otherwise we would never, we would never uh, have certain experiences if it hadn't been because we were pressed to, you know, we can... We can choose how we're going to respond, you know, with ability to those circumstances. So if you want to keep on focusing on, you know, what am I doing wrong? How much worse can it get? Well, guess what? That thought is going to give you an infinite number of answers showing you how much worse can it get. And it's going to be in the direction that you don't want it to go. But that's where you put your focus and your attention on. That's your thought process. So the universe says, you want to know how much worse can it get? Let's show you. <laughs> How much better can it get? If you want to do a 360, turn the other cheek and instead look at, oh my gosh, you know, my life is so wonderful and magical. How much better can it get? Guess what? It can get infinitely better. If you want to focus in that direction, it can get infinitely better. And it really is as simple as that. But we oftentimes as humans, we allow our ego to get in our in our own way that's part of for a long time i didn't know what it meant to like i'd hear people say oh it's like i'm just fighting myself I'm like what does that even mean that doesn't make so, any sense i'm listening very carefully and we're going to put the link to that example and you mentioned right when you were connecting with um it's pam pam was her name yeah pam okay so from a linear standpoint of the and beyond can you give some descriptions of the different trainings you have, because I imagine just like myself, I sometimes can't even explain. I know that I can talk. Okay. In the Western world, you have major depression, this, that, but I look at everyone as a light being and I qualitatively describe what's going on. Then I help empower them to be their own best friends. And I like to teach people that I'm a facilitator of health and wellness and that they had free will mm -hmm. to come to see me. And so I like to front load people with um, non-pathology discussion. And the word neurostyle derives from my aha moment in reading neurotribes, because we talk in behavioral medicine, neurotypical, neurodiverse. Yeah. But to me, all sentient beings in the whole universe have a neurostyle. And neurostyle, when you say the word, it's like, it's like pizzazz. What's my style? And it's less wah, 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 fear-based. So I feel like when we're mindfully ingesting the news, social media, our emails, our callbacks, our texts, learning how to be in this awareness of now and looking at yourself as a multidimensional creature, I think that's where it all begins for me from a changing the way we think, talk, and act about mental health. Because if we don't have our own way of being in this moment, that can be anything. If you're riding a bike, I like to swim. And so I'm just wondering if when you were helping Pam and all of a sudden your inner voice could see the picture of her memory restoring, can you describe as, as 
I know there's a lot, but some of the different flavors of Lillian dimensions of you as though you're your own best friend describing your like humbled gifts. So, okay. So this is kind of interesting that you should ask this because you know, there's the aspect you know, we are, we're all spiritual beings, whether we are acknowledging it or we're denying it, we're still spiritual beings, right? And so one of the things that I did in 2019 was I was testing my intuition like that. That was my New Year's resolution January 1st of 2019 was to actually test my intuition every single day. That was my intention. That was my focus to pay attention to it and to follow it, you know, even if it didn't make any sense, which is key to go with it and then see what kind of results I was going to get. And so let's rewind to like my thirties, you know, there's, or actually let's rewind to when I was a teenager and then when I was pre-med at USC and started off in emergency medicine, et cetera. So, you know, there's the scientific side, right? That has to do with the medical application. There's traditional centralized medicine. We have our ABCs and protocols and triage that we do that are very, they're, you know, pretty much across the country, we, we practice it all the, all the same. So then let's fast forward to in my late 20s and my early 30s. Now you look at my spiritual walk. So in my 30s, I was in this place where I've always been fasc fascinated with the esoteric and with mystical, um, like there were things that I would read in a lot of ancient scriptures that I thought, you know, that's got to be possible today. It's not just, you know, because people respond in predictable ways and humans are humans are humans. So if people could do this 100 years ago, 500 or 2000 years ago, that means that people today, just because I don't see a lot of them in my midst now, doesn't mean that it can't happen. So I just had that knowingness. So as it would turn out, so for example, one of the things that we had happened to be at the church that I was going to, and it was it was a Presbyterian church, but not what you, not a normal traditional Presbyterian church. Let's call it and beyond. Yeah, so it was it was kind of a weird and weird actually comes from the Welsh word weirda, which in weirda weirda in Welsh means spirited. That's where the word weird originally comes from, which I love that word because I've always told people and told my kids' friends too that you know we're a weird family and that you know about the origin of that word weird. But as it turns out, we were in this weird Presbyterian church that was very spiritual. It was conservative, but still very spiritual and very accepting and not very regimented. And so they brought this evangelist from uh, from England. And I'll never forget that he, he was here for 13 weeks and he was showing us how to do spiritual warfare. So it was basically, you know, it was a healing modality where we were getting, he didn't talk about getting into heart and brain coherence, but in essence, that's really what we did. We had circles of 10 people and we literally had people that were deaf, people who had arthritis, had gout. We had one guy who had one leg that was three inches shorter than his right. We literally saw his legs grow in real time as we were doing these prayers. And it was the the thing that Lynn Metagert, I don't know if you're familiar with Lynn. Yes, I am. Circle of eight. So, so it's basically that. Same. So I want to make sure that the um, listeners though know about Lynn Metagger because I am, but I feel like we're having our conversation, but maybe just take a little bit of a sideline about Lynn. Okay. So Lynn Metaggart is this incredible human being who she started off as an investigative uh, journalist. And as she continued to do her thorough investigations, she started tripping upon these circumstances where she found out about these people who had these miraculous healings and that kind of piqued her interest to start investigating those type of miraculous, um, you know, people who were given death sentences. And then all of a sudden, people through prayer or through meditation were experiencing these spontaneous healings. And so then she came up with this concept of the circle of eight, where you get eight people all into heart and brain coherence and in a meditative state where they're in theta state and they focus on a subject, a person that has some sort of condition that needs reparation. And in doing so, then that person, because they're all, they're all, they're one with the one, but they're all one. And that's, they don't talk about being one with the one, but in essence, that's what they're doing. They're synchronizing all of their hearts and brains with the divine, with the objective of sending all that loving healing energy to that person, which is their focal point. 
And then the person, because that person is in training, if you look at the scientific side, we entrain to each other at, because we're all in one place. Whether you're a human being or a material object, science now has proven that you entrain with certain people, certain things, even a metronome. You put 72 metronomes on a table that are all out of whack. You give it two or three or four minutes and all 72, even though they started off at different rates, they will all finish at the same time. So there's the physics side of it and then there's the spiritual side of it. So Lynn Metagart is the one who came up with that circle of eight. Um, I don't, I'm trying to think when her book, I think her book about 10 years ago, um, it was published where it talks about the circle of eight. And then at Dr. Joe, if you go to a Dr. Joe week-long event or an advanced follow-up, he does the circles of eight in his um, meditation retreats, his week-long events. So that's who Liz McTaggart is. So I had that preface of that in my 30s because I'm north of 40. Okay, I'm north of 50. <laughs> that alarm means pay attention. <laughs> well, that's funny. So did you go to medical school or did you start with medical school and weave or did you do it? What was your yeah. path? So, so I started and then I left and I started off in emergency medicine. And then when my son was 11 years old, he ended up coming down with Guillain-Barre, which oh is, yeah, it normally doesn't hit children. It's extremely rare in children. It's even rare in adults. But normally when it hits an adult, it's a 50, 60, 70 year old adult will come down with Guillain-Barre in response to a flu shot, flu vaccine. And so when he came down with it, that he almost died that first week and he went from basically doing black diamond runs and uh, ski resorts in Mammoth to being paralyzed from the neck down. And so that forced me into a pediatric PhD, self-directed PhD in pediatric neurology because I immediately became aware of all these subspecialties within pediatric neurology that I didn't even know existed. I had kind of neurology all in one big- What's program. your son's first name? Kyle. Kyle? So my neurostyle and sensory perception, when I hear about Pam the first time, when I hear about Kyle, my energy, my heart resonance and empathy has so much empathy that I travel back in time. So I can usually feel people's feeling states. And I know that you're probably going to tell some really great news, but in that moment, like if someone's watching the news or listening to a show like this, if when you hear about trauma or illness or memory loss or paralyzing and it triggers your DNA on any level, be gentle on yourself. Cause I just right away, we're doing a video, but people are going to be listening because that's mostly an audio where I put my hand on my heart and I take a deep breath and I send that soul love. And it's like, it creates an infinity loop of love towards their time when they were suffering. And then it's a love back to you. And then I imagine it like an infinity loop. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're looking at modern day life of news coming at us, headlines coming at us, energy, just like you mentioned from a scientific method with the rat experiment. So I want people to just have everyday tools. So I don't want to interrupt you. I feel like we need to like honor all your trainings. And then maybe even the story of your son could be like a part two. I feel like our neuro styles, this is my first time doing an interview with you and doing it. Like I'm like blown away with excitement where it's like, I want to do like 10 shows back to back. Cause I'm like, I love listening to you so much. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, you know, it's like that was ma a major course correction for me, as you can only imagine, because I never I had never given anything neurological a second thought. It just it wasn't even on my radar. As soon as this was in my field of awareness, then it's like, OK, I have to learn everything and anything. And I had had, interestingly enough, kind of a prepavement before. You know how you can connect the dots 2020? You have hindsight is 2020. Yeah. So just before that, I had had a patient who he was 46 years old. And as you're aware, Dr. Denise, men don't normally get MS. However, I had this guy who had come down with MS. Very rare for men to come out, come down with multiple sclerosis, but he did. And then 
at the same time, I also had one of my younger son's um, best friends from kindergarten who his, uh, his friend's older brother was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. So notice how there's wow. those two neurological disorders. Wow. So I was acutely aware of all the symptoms of muscular dystrophy because every day I'm talking to the, you know, his, uh, the little boy's mother, who was a friend of mm -hmm. mine because we're basically room moms. And so as I'm discussing this with her, I, I knew what he, what she was struggling with, with her son, how his lifespan, they told him, told her, you know, he probably will only live to be maybe 20, 21, 22 at best. Um, so give him whatever he wants. Cause there's, nothing you know we don't know how to cure this there's no way to heal this and so she was devastated with that diagnosis and then trying to juggle you know that child along with now this this child that was in kindergarten so it was very daunting for her so i was very aware of of the symptomology for those conditions and so when my son came back he had left on spring break easter vacation with his best friend and brother and uh, that family, like his best friend's family, and they went to Mammoth for a week and he was skiing all week long. And so the day before he came back, he complained to me because every night we would talk on the phone and he would say the night before, because he came home on Good Friday of all the days of the year to come home, he came home on Good Friday. So on Thursday night, he tells me, hey mom, he goes, um, I'm kind of feeling a little fatigued and I kind of feel like my, my legs are kind of heavy. And I said to him, oh, Kyle, you know, we live at sea level. We live at the beach and you're up at 8,000 feet of elevation up in Mammoth. And you're not used to being with such thin oxygen. You might have a touch of altitude sickness and you're not used to skiing for six, seven, eight hours a day. So you probably have some muscle fatigue and just lactic acid buildup on your muscles. And I kind of rationalized it to that. And then on Friday, when he got home, he, you know, the boys were able to run, but Kyle wasn't able to run and Judy my friend told me she goes you know what when we stopped for lunch the boys ran into Taco Bell and Kyle wasn't able to run Kyle just was able to walk and he just said that he felt like he had cement in his legs I said well mm, that's kind of peculiar so my emergency training didn't make anything ring off in me that said that his life was in danger but I knew something was going on there was mm -hmm. some sort of Something was going on with his gross motor skills. So that evening, when I jumped on the computer and I started doing a little bit more research, I saw that Guillain-Barre was a possibility. I thought, dear Lord, please don't let this be muscular dystrophy. Don't let this be, it didn't seem like it could be myasthenia gravis because I didn't see any, some of the symptoms that you see with the eyes with myasthenia gravis he wasn't presenting with. Multiple sclerosis, probably not because he's a boy. First of all, he's male. And second of all, his age. MS usually hits women in their 30s, da-da-da. I go, this Guillain-Barre thing, it's probably, it's improbable because it's very rare to begin with for adults. And if it does hit anybody, it's usually 50, 60, 70-year-olds in response to a flu shot. He's never had a flu shot and he's a child, but something's going on. So this is Friday night. So now fast forward to Sunday morning. It's Easter morning and everybody, usually he's, he was the first one that would get up, but not this Easter morning. Everybody's up, he's the only one who's not up. So I go to his room, he's still in the under the covers and I'm like, Kyle, it's Easter morning, we gotta get up, we gotta get ready to go to church. And he was still very groggy. And as I got, helped him out of bed, which normally would not have to, he would just jump out of bed, but he did not jump out of bed. And he just kind of slid his feet, you know, kind of shuffling his feet to the, bathroom and I thought that was kind of strange and then when I handed him his spin toothbrush he was using all of his might to turn the spin toothbrush on and I immediately thought oh my gosh first his gross motor skills are declining and now his fine motor skills are declining something is seriously wrong so I thought this is not a good sign and so I took note of it, and then I told my, my then husband, now husband, I told him, okay, we're going to continue getting ready for church and everything, but something's going on with Kyle, and um, I'm going to call the pediatrician on the way to church, and if she tells me to meet her at the clinic or at the hospital, then 
will do whatever Dr. Chang says. So as I was talking to Dr. Chang in the, you know, over the phone on our way to church, literally in front of our church, I literally made a U-turn because she said, I want you to make a beeline, go meet me at Children's Hospital of Orange County. I don't want him falling again. He needs to have a pediatric neurologist. They need to do a PET scan. They need to do a brain scan. They need to do an MRI. They're probably going to have to do a spinal tap. She rattled all these things off. And then when I hung up the phone, he started weeping. And he's like, why is this happening to me? And I told him, sweetheart, I really have no idea why this is happening to you. But I know that this is not happening to you in vain. There's a reason why this is happening. We just don't know what that is now. And we, are, we just need to be grateful and thankful of all the places in the world that we could live. We happen to live in not just Huntington Beach, but in Orange County, California. We have Children's Hospital of Orange County, which is like one of the number one hospitals for pediatrics in the world with the latest technology, with the most, you know, most skilled and trained physicians in the world. And we happen to, it happens to be here in our backyard. So God is doing something here. We just don't know what it is. So we just need to face whatever this is and see what it is, see what's going on. I really don't know what, what we're facing, right? So as soon as we got to the emergency room, the nurses who met us immediately said, is he a special needs kid? I said, no, he just got off of Black Diamond Runs and Mammoth and now he can barely walk. And they're like, oh my gosh, he's got like a progressive ongoing paralysis going on. I'm like, yeah. And then we said, yeah, Dr. Chang told us to meet her here. And so immediately they took him in. They did the first thing they did was a brain scan on him, gave him a picture of his brain. And so it took five and a half weeks to diagnose him because there is no diagnostic test for Guillain-Barre. So in that first, in the first few hours, I asked the nurses, I said, is there a chance that this might be Guillain-Barre? And the nurses just looked at me. It's like, I go, it's possible. It's like, I don't know. We don't know how you would know that, but it's very unlikely for a child of his age to have Guillain-Barre and there's no diagnostic test. And I said, yeah, he's presenting like that. But I'm like, just in my head, I was like, dear God, don't let it be muscular dystrophy. Don't let it be MS. So for people who don't know what Guillain-Barre is, because most people have never heard of GBS, multiple sclerosis, you have your central peripheral nervous system is turning, your autoimmune system turns on your central nervous system and that creates a paralysis in the body. And with Guillain-Barre, you have your peripheral nervous system. Your immune system is turning on your peripheral nervous system. So it presents as a gradual progression of paralysis that starts at the feet and then it travels upward. And when people have your diaphragm uh, nerves get eaten up by your, your immune system, then you go into respiratory arrest and it could travel all the way up to the brain. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. And so a lot of people pass away from Guillain-Barre because as soon as they get into respiratory arrest, sometimes it's not cotton time, which interestingly enough, four months before my son came down with Guillain-Barre, one of my husband, my then husband's co-workers had come down with Guillain-Barre and he passed. He passed away because when he went into respiratory arrest, even though they put him on a respirator, it was too late, he was gone. And he was in his mid 40s, so he's kind of on the young side for Guillain-Barre, but he had Guillain-Barre. So interesting that I had that as a precursor to have that in my awareness and then have, again, it's the three, it was the, the 46 year old, and then as well as my uh, younger son's classmate. So now we are presented with this. And so it was a process of, of elimination. But like I said, I, I immediately went into a deep dive and started doing that self-directed PhD in neurology because I could, I had to be absolutely positively sure of how to move forward. And my husband is an engineer, a petroleum engineer. And I was the one with medical training. So, and I had enough experience having had three preterm pregnancies and having caught a lot of things that had I not caught them, I probably wouldn't have those three kids. So mm -hmm. I knew how to stand in my authority and how to bring to their attention, not just research, but also back in the day, we don't have this anymore, but you and I probably rec remember, or maybe, maybe you don't remember, but we had this book called The Physician's Desk uh, reference, which was, yes, a giant, it was a 
giant red book like this. Yeah. And it was like, you couldn't really carry it around, but you kept it on your desk. And it had every single pharmaceutical known on the planet made by every single pharmaceutical company. And it tells you what the drug is. You know, it tells you for the standard, you know, average size woman, for the average size man, it tells you what the contraindications are. It tells you who the maker is um, and what dosages it's made. It tells you if this, if your right. is going to take this medicine, um, you know, it's recommended after two weeks, you know, there's potential for kidney failure. So you need to have your kidneys tested, blah, blah, blah. So it gives you a lot of really vital information. So that's why this book was so massive, right? So but Lillian, I'm here listening to all this. What happened to Kyle? So what happened to Kyle was that, okay, so he, at the five week mark, they had to treat him as if he had Guillain-Barre and there's no known treatment for Guillain-Barre. So one of the things that they started to do is they're like, if it's Guillain-Barre, because if it's Guillain-Barre, he can go into respiratory arrest. That's like the worst possible situation. We need to offset that, but we really don't know how to offset it. So they did an IVIG treatment for him, which apparently worked. It's kept him from having it get worse. So he never went into respiratory arrest. He was simply paralyzed from the neck down. He lost, he went from like 79 pounds to 59 pounds that week. So he was he was just a slender, muscular boy. And then he was just like skin and bones because he had the worst form. We found out later he had the worst form of Guillain-Barre. He ended up spending 11 weeks in pediatric intensive care. And then when he came home, he finally came home in a wheelchair, paralyzed from the neck down, could not hold a pencil, could not button, zipper, he had to basically regrow, regrow the nerves, regrow the muscles, and rehab himself over the next, over the course of the next year. So we had physical therapy, occupational therapy, and aquatic therapy, and then of course I worked closely with him to get him back to the point where a year later he was back to playing water polo, which if you think about it, to go from being in a wheelchair and paralyzed to playing water polo. For those of you who know, water polo is a very physically demanding sport so I'm here right in this moment of now and I'm awestruck because I did not know the story I did not know about your son this is your son no. and when I think about asking you about an example and I think about Pam and Pam not having her memory and then the download and the integration of all of your tools in that moment of now to help guide her. I feel like your son, Kyle, in that really intense, I'm going to use linear terms, suffering, what's going to happen to my son? Will he live? How will he be? It took you on the most unimaginable science meets spirit meets everything, every tool in the toolbox to imagine your son well again. So I feel like the story of Pam and the story of Kyle are such unbelievable miracles, but that actually does show the true integration of the seen, the unseen, the logic, the prayer, the intelligence, the drive. So I feel like I'm so sorry that Kyle ever went through that, but I feel like your level of intellect and the way you were looking at everything as a mother that's loves her son. And we all know one of the things I like to say is we're only as parents as happy as our happiest child. Yeah. And I think when we think about what unites us as one humanity or all sentient beings is we want our offspring and we want each other to thrive. Yeah. We want them so to dwell. What a story about Kyle and I feel like we're right here at the end of this first show, but let me ask you this. How's he doing now? And in that time when you were helping him and the doctors were, was that like a combination of the PhD? Did that start to just birth every part of your integration of who you are now? Yeah. So that day, I didn't know it at the time, but the day that he was, you know, we were told to go meet Dr. Chang at Children's Hospital of Orange County. I didn't know that that was going to start an entire new chapter of my life. There's no question about it. That was, a, I call them destiny points. 
And one of the things that I really like to talk, mothers who have children who have any kind of condition, whether they it's an illness or they've had a traumatic accident, the one thing that none of the doctors told me, but that I did get from my prayers and my meditations was that I knew, I've been blessed that my father was uh, has always been a great influence uh, on me. And he was always big on the power of positive thinking. He was back into the positive mental attitude and um, those metaphysical teachings like Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. He wrote a book that I read in high school that my dad gave me. This book was, You Can't Afford the Luxury of a Negative Thought. So the moment that I heard that we had to go to the hospital, that was one of the first things that I heard was you can't afford the luxury of a negative thought, which mm. you're like, that's kind of uncanny timing if you think about it, right? Yes. So you can't afford the luxury of a negative thought. It's like, well, you know, what's that, you know, what relevance does this have here? It's like, okay, well, right now this is like kind of an emergency. That's why we're on our way to the emergency room, right? And so one thing that I learned that no doctor, no minister, no no priest, no rabbi, no spiritual leader, no parent, no nothing. No one told me was, first of all, that my autonomic nervous system isn't trained with my sons. So if I'm worrying, if I'm freaking out, if I'm having negative emotions, I'm gonna, now he's fighting for his life. And now by my adding that fuel of emotion of worrying that he's gonna die, that's just going to make it all that harder for him because if I'm worried, then he's going to go, wait a minute. I really need to be worried because mom's freaking out. Right. And I kept on hearing, you can't afford the luxury of a negative thought. So I did not freak out. Now, bear in mind, I had emergency medical training. I don't know if it was because of that. It's like, you know, what's first, the chicken or the egg? When you mm -hmm. do emergency medicine, they train you to do triage. You have to have a certain mindset. So we don't freak I out. I love, by the way, I loved emergency medicine. And it's probably why we also connect because I chose psychiatry and adult and child psychiatry, but in medical school, I loved ER. And when I was an intern year, I took all the extra shifts on ER and psych ER. And I'm just really tuning in though, to this awareness. And I feel like this awareness and opening up the next chapter after Kyle had this and that drop into awareness is like a part two show because we couldn't be more in sync because the whole reason why I came up with embrace your neuro style and beyond is because of my son's sensory perception, which I'd like to share more about in another show, but it was literally this desire to use different words, different thoughts, different actions to not give into fear mm. because we, when we give into fear, then that's when it's that downward spiral that you mentioned earlier in the show. So yeah. yeah, I'm kind of humbled at this point. And I know, I feel like this is a good time to integrate and wrap up this first show, but I want to make sure you get to say everything you want to say, mm -hmm. but I'm like, so glad Kyle's okay. He made a full recovery, which is full amazing. recovery. He made an entire two more times full recovery, full recovery, full, full recovery. And like I said at the beginning, you know, things don't happen at us. They happen for us. So prior to this experience that he had, he used to be afraid of anything. He used to be a germaphobe. And during that time in the hospital, he knew that he faced death in the face. And it's like he was kind of wise beyond his years because he told me later, he said, well, I kind of figured it's like, okay, yeah, I might die from this. And if I die, he goes, what's the worst that can happen? If I die, I'll leave my family. I'll get to go high five Jesus and Noah and Moses and get to pick their brains about all these questions that I have. And eventually my family will catch up. And if I don't die and I get to stick around, then awesome. Then I won't miss my family or anything because I'll get to be around them. And he said that God had told him that you're going to be bigger, stronger, and have more fun than, than you ever had before. And that actually came to pass before he left the hospital, which is interesting. Um, and so afterwards, he had no fear of death. He was no longer a germaphobe. Um, fast forward to when he was getting ready to graduate from high school, he decided it's like, okay, well, you know, I stared death in the face. So it's like, whatever you want to do for a living, it's like, I'm really going to do what it is that I want to do for a living. And not just because 
somebody wants me to do this, that, or whatnot. And so he figured, it's like, I'm just going to follow my passion. And so he was interested in programming and computers. So he became a double engineer. He got an electrical engineering degree and a computational engineering degree and a computer science minor just because he thought it would be fun. And so that's what he does now. He's, uh, he's basically working for a fortune company and gets to travel a lot. And, but he's doing, he made a full recovery. There's nothing that he did um, before that he couldn't do and then some. I am humbled and smiling and grateful that your son is thriving. And this is also the power of all the different modalities. And thank you to the doctors. Thank you to your prayers. Thank you to the loved ones. Thank you to every angel that helped make that happen. And I have to tell you, I, I'm still humbled at this. Like, I don't know if it's just something about that curiosity, because when I see people have miracles, whether it's in my personal life or in my practice, it's like unbelievable. And I didn't know this. This is why I said to you, Lillian, I have to have you on the show because yeah. we're going to talk about some things. And I know we're going to want this to be something we can share with others. So before we get together and get to know each other too much more, we yes. better hop on. So it's that fresh energy of our curiosity about one another. And I think that's the other thing I want to um, invite the audience and the listeners when you're on a path of your own self-awareness, your intuition, your health challenge, your own suffering. I feel like I'm at this moment right here, blown away by the example of Pam, blown away by the example of Kyle. And I think more people need to have the hope because when you get a diagnostic label, the way the mind works is you go and look it up and you think about everything that can go wrong. And I think with your integrative, all the amazing tools in your toolbox, but the most important I now know is you as a mother and who you were as a mother, the, the level of compassion that that spirit of compassion and healing that you already have, but then to, to, to survive and thrive through this with your own son to me is the heart energy. That's like the foundation for all the work that you do past, present and future. Oh, I, I, absolutely. And I got to tell people that I could actually feel the number of people that were praying there was so much light energy. We had so many miracles the 11 weeks that we were in the hospital because we had, make no mistakes, that first week we had a, a lot of tests that would, um, you know, I think normally would have you drop to your knees because we kept on getting negative information that's like not what we wanted. So the evidence that my eyes were seeing and it's like as soon as the doctor would leave with the bad news, it's like with, with him leaving, having told us that, in my mind, He's taking that bet that no longer exists when he leaves. Mm. And in my mind, failure was not an option. And my mm. only, uh, my big ask to the divine and to God was, it's like, just please don't take his ability to breathe away. Because for me as an adult, to not be able to breathe and have to be put on a respirator would be very anxiety and anguishing. And I can't mm. imagine having my son to go through that. So I, I just claimed that, his respirations would never be taken and that it would never affect his brain or his respirations. And then that came to pass. And, but the amount of miracles that we had, all the serendipity um, for, you know, anyone who spent any amount of time in a hospital setting, we've all had friends that have been in the hospital for three days, five days, two weeks. And you hear about the nightmare stories of either a bad nurse or a bad technician or something that went wrong, right? I gotta tell you, we were in there for 11 and a half weeks. We had nothing other than the best of the best from nurses to doctors to, we had doctors that were coming from everywhere, from UCI, from Long Beach Millers, from Children's Hospital mm -hmm. of Orange County. They were coming from everywhere, all these subspecialties. Wow. And respiratory techs, I mean, you name it. Everyone was, like we could not have asked for better treatment things yeah. that the insurance company would not normally 
approve because we had the hospital administrator would come meet with us and say, okay, most insurance companies don't cover this. So we just want you to know, because we told them if there's anything that's not covered by insurance, please let us know because we may want to pay for it out of pocket. You just need to give mm -hmm. us, give us that opportunity right now. They're like, we don't understand how this got approved because this never gets approved. And we would have that repeatedly, but we had, I know day one, we had at least 700 people that were praying. And then after that, then his, you know, he went to a Lutheran school. So everybody at school were praying and then people across the country. And before you know it, but you could palpably feel the prayers. So I want, I want to tell people if we can end on this note, that if you have someone that you know, a loved one, an acquaintance, a friend, that you know that is going through a tough time, don't underestimate the power of your ability to send love energy that will heal and uplift that person. Because you don't know how many other people are being called at the same time to do that. And that person will feel that light. They will feel like the burden. I did not feel a heaviness despite this horrible thing going on, believe it or not. I had this incredible support and, and my son did too. Uh, wow. My son, when he left that, he didn't think it was that bad, even though he was aware that he was dying, which is like, that makes no sense. And it's because you had so much love energy that was being directed to him. And so that was palpable. Has Kyle been interviewed about this process in any form ever? No, he's never, well, as you can imagine, when you spend 11 weeks in the hospital and then a year in, you know, you're doing occupational therapy, physical therapy, aquatic therapy, we're going to every day to Hogue, et cetera. So after that, you know, he didn't want to have anything to do with hospitals or, mm -mm. Anything, but, you know, it's like he's done his, his thing. So he's never really done an interview um, or anything about that. Um, okay. Well, that's just, let's just hold that in sacred abeyance. And I'm honored that this interview went in this direction and that you shared your own very personal story and that Kyle is thriving and it's such a hopeful and beyond with the power of love. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually getting tears. They're like, I want to make sure everyone knows are like tears of joy. Mm -hmm. And I really think we're ending on like such a hopeful and faith i i'm i'm really honored and thank you for thank you. all the work that you're doing in the universe thank you. and your humility about the way you serve and i'd love it if people could just hear a little bit about where they could find you and then i'm excited for our next step in adventure and however that unfolds I'm really looking forward to that. Any opportunity that I have to come online with you and to harmonize together, I'm, I'm sign me up. Um, people can find me on, if you want to go to facebook.com forward slash Lillian I Walker. You can remember the name Lillian. It's kind of like the 1111. It's I-L-L-I. -L -L -I. So you've got an 1111 in my name. So it's Lillian I Walker. Uh, so you can find me there. You can also find me at Love and Money Secrets TV on YouTube, which is my YouTube channel. Those are probably the two best places to reach me. Or if you want to call our stem cell activation hotline, you can call that at 949-478-2221. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Dr. Denise show, the Embrace Your Neuro Style and Beyond. And Lillian, it's an honor to know you. And thank you all for listening and tuning in. Thank you. Good night.